37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Pixelated Paranormal. This is episode 266. I am Sean, of course, and with me, as always, is my other half, Preston. How are you, buddy? What's up, all you cool ghosts and goblins, you crocacoons and crocodingos, you skeletors and skeletons, you witchers and witches? I'm more tired than a big dick back. My name is Preston, and uh, I got a cold. <laughs> what is a big dick back? Big dick bat. Bat. Like a flying creature. Oh, bat. That's a really great joke, and I'm sorry I screwed it up for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were, uh, we, we took my son out this um, weekend for his birthday to Omaha. Mm-hmm. So the wife and I always have a thing that when we go on road trips, we would like to listen to comedy specials. Mm-hmm. And we were listening to Kyle Kinane, and it was one of his older ones. And he had <laughs> uh, basically said that he was sitting out one night and he was watching bats you know meander around and he got to thinking like you know since bats sleep upside down if you had one genetically that had a huge pecker like just gargantuan that you know it would not be able to sleep you'd be hitting itself in the head all the time like gravity would take effect (laughs) and then it would like the next day when like all the bats are you know when it's they're supposed to be sleeping the bats get up and they're nocturnal and they're like hey jerry what's wrong with you and he's like oh man i'm super tired and he said, you know, it sounds like this could be like a, a redneck phrase. Like, this should be on a Cracker Barrel wall that when somebody asks you how it's going, <laughs> your response is, I'm more tired than a big dick bat. And then he said, you know what? With the way society's going, and uh, when we all turn to dust, if that's a phrase that everybody starts using and it can be put back to him, that he'll feel like he is successful in life. And I like the way it rolls off the tongue. I'm more tired than a big dick bat. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to start using that. I will. I will put that in my repertoire of uh, shit to say. And uh, you're welcome, Kyle. (laughs) Hell yeah. I I thought you said big dick back. And I pictured a big foot with just a big old schlonger that he just throws over his shoulder like a sack of taters because it's just massive. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I'm recovering after a wonderful weekend of doing the Hot Ones Hot Wing Challenge. Me and my buddy Mitchell got together. How's your asshole? Oh, you know what? Um, It wasn't pleasant, but it wasn't nearly as unpleasant as I thought it was going to be. Wow. So if you folks haven't watched, uh, check out Hot Ones. It's on YouTube. It's now on Hulu. And it's a really great interview special where a guy interviews celebrities over the course of 10 different hot wings, uh, each one differing in its heat value via Scoville. And we did the uh, the gamut, one through ten. And I gotta say, one through five is an absolute cakewalk. Uh, six and seven were pretty warm. And then number eight, dude, Da Bomb, and now it's actually called Da Bomb Evolution because it's gotten hotter, was almost Mitchell's undoing, and I was not too far behind him, dude. That shit wrecked us. Oh. It was absolutely hot. And, like, we didn't go into this you know, without plans of doing it to death. So we took the hot wings, and instead of putting just a little dab on the wing and eating it, we dropped those bad boys in, you know, metal 
bowls and we tossed the sauce. Man, we caked those bad boys. And then after we plated them up, we even took a spatula and scooped the hot sauce and kind of, you know, smeared it across the top. So we saturated those bad boys and it's the hottest thing I've ever eaten and maybe the hottest thing I plan to ever eat because holy shit, it was rough. But yeah, um, we also finished off with Dingo Psycho Hot Sauce and of course the Last Apollo, which is the final dab. And they were all delicious. We had a great time and we are already looking for hotter shit to try. So presto, if you want, next time we get together, I got my own bottle of the uh, Da Bomb if you want to try it out. I mean, why not, man? Why not? I found a... YOLO, right? Yeah, we when we were uh, in um, Castle... Council Bluff, Iowa. So we we went to Omaha for the zoo, but Council Bluff, Iowa is like mm-hmm. right across the river. So they're like, you know, five minutes apart. There was a Cabela's there, and Blake always likes to go check out Cabela's. And they had a huge hot yeah. sauce section. You know, one called like uh, rectal cancer. Uh, there was all what? S- <laughs> yeah, like dude, it was like that's how bad it was. And then there was another one that was like just called Frost. And it's a clear liquid, so it doesn't change the color, and it doesn't add flavor. So it's not, like, vinegary or anything like that. It's just simple heat. So, like, if you really want to spice shit up and, like, oh, my God, my asshole's on fire, you're just boop, 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 <laughs> and it's a clear liquid. And I'm like, oh, man, I wonder if that's uh, I wonder if that's worth trying. So, Huh. Well, I'm sure it is, man. I'm sure yeah. it is. We actually did a story um, from Council Bluff on episode 102, The Black Angel of Council Bluff. Do you remember that one? Old uh, Micah sent that in to us, gosh, yeah. years ago. This would have been back in like 2019. Yeah. yeah. Heck yeah, man. Awesome. Well, I hope Omaha was, you know, stellar. We're planning on going up there in March to visit Big Dobbs during uh, Shayla's spring break. So I think we're going to run it around. Did you do anything spooky? Did you see anything cool while you were there? I mean, we... We went to the uh, the Monster Pub, which is a horror-themed restaurant. Um, the food was okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, the atmosphere was pretty fun. The record store, you know, I wish they had more horror-themed records, but uh, all mm-hmm. in all, like, it was a good time, and, uh, you know, Blake enjoyed himself, and that's what the trip was about. So, I mean, every restaurant that we went to, Daddy had himself mimosas in the morning with his Eggs Benedict, and I had Eggs Benedict... <laughs> Every way imaginable. Um, so, like, that's mm-hmm. that's my go-to breakfast now when we're out and about. Like, if you can get me a mimosa and an Eggs Benedict, I'll be happy. Yeah. Dude, I love me a good Eggs Benny as well. So, you're going to have to give me the list of some of the places you guys went to because that's my bag, baby. Yeah. I'm not really a mimosa guy. I like a nice, like, whiskey and coffee or something. But, uh, yeah, man, we're going we're gonna to go up there here in a couple months, so. Well, I started thinking about, you know, pixelated paranormal episodes of Yore and how we used to spend like 45 minutes on news stories before we ever even got to the actual topic. So I put together a whole slew of five news stories that I'm sure people will find interesting in one way or another. I doubt it'll be 45 minutes, but yeah, dude, let's really start hammering in some news now. What do you say? Yeah. The first one comes from APnews.com, 
and they say, if you ask anybody what they think you might find buried in the muck and the mire at the bottom of New York City's East River, they'd probably be likely to say, oh, probably the corpse of some dead mob boss. Well, you're probably not wrong. But several groups of treasure hunters have recently taken to the waterway in recent weeks after hearing a guest on comedian Joe Rogan's podcast claim that there's actually a box car's worth of potentially valuable prehistoric mammoth bones that were dumped in the river back sometime around the 1940s. Now, despite the lack of evidence to back up the story, treasure seekers have already started using boats, diving apparatuses, and technology like remote-operated cameras in hopes of finding the bones of a woolly mammoth in the murky waters. I think the chances are just as good as the lottery, and people buy those tickets every day, said Don Gann, 35, of North Arlington, New Jersey. He's a commercial diver who's been out in the water since early last week, along with his brother and two employees. Now, it all started back when John Reeves, an Alaskan gold miner with a passion for fossils, was featured on Joe Rogan's podcast during an episode that aired on December 30th, talking about his great land that he had and how he has personally uncovered numerous age-old bones and tusks while looking for gold. Some of that material was brought to New York City decades ago to be handed over to American Museum of Natural History. Well, Reeves cited back in a draft report put together by three men, including one who worked at the museum, it included references to some fossils and bones that were deemed unsuitable for the museum that were simply dumped in the river. So he said, I'm going to start what's called the bone rush. As people then rush off to the East River to look for the leftover bones. We'll see if anybody out there's got the sense of adventure. Let me tell you, something about mammoth bones and mammoth tusks are extremely valuable. After the episode aired, the American Museum of Natural History threw water as cold as the East River on the tail. We do not have any record of the disposal of these fossils in the East River, nor have we been able to find any record of this report in the archives or other scientific sources. But it looks like, presto, we are in the thick of 2023's Great Bone Rush. Now, shifting gears here, speaking of things that went missing, the coveted hot dog statue stolen from West Virginia's restaurant finally returns home, coming from HuffPo. The owner of a West Virginia restaurant that was heavily damaged by a fire finally has gotten his coveted hot dog statue back. The Wienerman statue was stolen from the Dairy Winkle in Campbell's Creek during a break-in sometime after a fire that occurred back on January 11th. A tip led deputies to the location where the statue was found undamaged, and it was returned to the restaurant owner, Carrie Ellison. Investigators have not identified a suspect and are still seeking further information. But the statue is of a hot dog, smiling a big old grin, licking his chompers as he squirts a bottle of ketchup on his head with a bottle of mustard at the ready. And while I don't condone theft, that would be a pretty sweet piece of Americana to uh, 
you know, have in your backyard. <laughs> it's almost uh, like you'd have to like steal it and live out of state because you lived in that state, and then your buddies came over to the man cave and be like, "You motherfucker, it was you." Yeah. Whereas you live out of state, they're like, "Man, right. that's a cool hot dog statue. Where you get that at? Don't worry about it, Jerry. Do not worry yep. about it. Exactly." One bit. Yeah, I know um, there's a chain of Mexican restaurants called Chewy's, which is, you know, like tacos and nachos and stuff like that. And one of the ones we went to, I think that was in Texas, had this really badass He-Man statue of him sitting down upright with his hands at his side, almost like a chair of some kind of ride. And I asked the manager of the store, like, where did you guys find that? What's the history behind it? Is it like a carousel or some kind of like, you know, spinning swing that you would ride? And he had no idea what it was from or what it was for. He just said that, you know, we pay a couple guys to go across the American Pickers style and just see what exactly they can find. And they just happened to find a He-Man chair. And he said, I fought tooth and nail. Um, at the corporate office to make sure that I was the one that got that at my store because it's so freaking awesome. <laughs> and I concur. It's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> well, keeping the theme here, man, we're going to have to sober up here and be a little more serious on this next story from NBC News. Actor Julian Sands is still missing days after going for a hike on the California mountain. Sands was reported missing back on January 13th after venturing into the Baldy Bowl area of Mount Baldy on Friday evening. Actor Julian Sands has been missing for almost 10 days now since he went hiking in the Southern California Mount Baldy. Sands, an actor who is 65 years old now, was reported missing at the Baldy Bowl area around 7.30 p.m. back on Friday, almost two weeks ago at this point. Authorities said in an update Thursday, a phone ping was sent out on Sunday shows that Sands was headed to Mount Baldy. Res uh, rescuers searched the trail leading them to the summit of Mount Baldy after several delayed pings from his iPhone provided possible locations. Now, Presto, I don't know if you remember the 80s movie The Warlock. Do you remember that film? Um, Barely. I remember that... Uh, barely. What's his name? Like Richard Payne, Robert Payne played the actual warlock, the bad guy. He also played, like, mm -hmm. the bad guy in Passenger 57 and then the one Highlander movie. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I remember about it. It's been so long since I've seen it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm in the same boat, man. It's been a long time since I watched it as well. But this guy's got a pretty impressive list here. Um, he played the warlock in the 1989 film, and apparently he played the warlock himself. Um, also, coming back to f uh, be featured in Arachnophobia, Impromptu, The Wicked, Naked Lunch, and several other classic horror and sci-fi films, even uh, coming back for some of the uh, sequels in the Warlock series as well. But yeah, man, he went on a hike, and the dudes disappeared. And I think even David Politis has kind of taken you know an interest in this story. But uh, the search for Sands, known to play a role in A Room with a View, was paused recently this Saturday evening because of trail conditions and the risk of an avalanche due to the weather they're having up there. They said that search crews will continue to scan the area using helicopters and drones when the weather permits and will schedule another ground search when it's safe to do so. Sheriff's Department recommends people heed warnings and avoid the area when there are high winds and ice, making things incredibly treacherous. 
Recent storms have brought snow and ice conditions that are not favorable for hikers, even though they feel that they have a high level of experience. Search and rescue crews have launched 14 rescue missions for lost, stranded, and injured hikers on the mountain and in the surrounding area over the last four weeks. Holy cow. Two hikers have thus died in the recent two weeks after falling and injuring themselves. Ah, this is wild, man. I mean, you hear of hikers and whatnot, but of course this story is getting brought to the forefront because it's from an actor. Well, our fourth news story on this episode is brought to us by a listener named Sven, who wrote to us on Instagram. Now, this story is pretty interesting. This comes from the brobible.com and Twitter. A recent photograph taken of a craft in the sky over football club Juarez's soccer stadium shows what might just be an unidentified flying object flying over the soccer field. The image was shared by the soccer team on their Twitter account, sharing a photo that was taken by a fan who'd been at the match at the Estadio Olimpico Benito Juarez Stadium. Now, the FC Juarez tagged the country's most famous uologist, ufologist, Jamie Masson, in the initial tweet asking for help. They said, help at Jamie Musson 1. The fan sent us his photograph, and he says he took it during the game against the Wallos, which supposedly a hashtag O-V-N-I can be seen. Is it not? Question mark. Now, O-V-N-I is kind of like the equivalent UFO abbreviation that we'd use here in the States. Masson responded, but not before using artificial intelligence software to enhance the original photo to better see what the UFO actually looks like. And then he tweeted back, Hello, at FC Juarez official. I share that the case was analyzed with AI equipment, and everything indicates that we're facing an unidentified anomalous phenomenon, a.k.a. UAP. Kiev scientists call these ships phantoms because they're black or dark objects. Now, an OVNI, or Objeto Volador No Identificado, is Spanish for UFO, or UAP, like I said a second ago. Anyway, Masson also wrote in a follow-up tweet, Given all the above, I think that this ship is of non-human origin. So I don't know. Astronomers have um, in Kiev have broke the UFOs they observe into two categories recently. Some are known as phantoms, or a UFO that is completely black that shares or emits no light, and cosmics, which are defined as luminous objects brighter than the background of the sky. So in this case, we're dealing with what they would call a phantom UFO, and presto, you've shared some of those photos. Now, you've probably seen it after I sent these to you earlier. The original photo is, of course, zoomed way out, and you see the sun in a little disc. Yep. What do you think about using AI to enhance images? Do you think this is trustworthy uh, technology, or do you think it kind of adds a bit of hokiness to the whole operation? It kind of depends on what AI is, is doing. Um, mm -hmm. So if... AI is interpreting the data in any way and it's changing the data in any way, I think we shouldn't be using mm -hmm. it. But if you're, I mean, we've talked about this because that chatbot AI, for example, um, that I use for one of the show notes, because I just wanted to see like, hey, sometimes like life gets busy and we're like, we're going to do this show. And then I'm like, fuck 
I got to commit to actually doing these notes. And I look through website after website after website after website. And it is like the same information from seven websites. So chatbot AI will sit there and it will simultaneously go through a thousand websites within several seconds and then mm-hmm. pull out the same information consistent information from all those websites and then present it to you so that you can actually basically read and say, okay, here's the gist of what the story is. And so it's just making the job easier. It's not changing anything. It's not fabricating anything. Um, All it's doing is cycling through information simultaneously and then boom, here you go. So if we use AI in that way where we say, hey, I need you to analyze this photo and figure out what the fuck is going on, and then it's like beep, blah, 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 and then it enhances the photo, it zooms in, it knows what filters to use to clear up the image, that's great, that's fine, I think we should use it. But if it's like the AI art program where it's like you you know you give it a command and it's like hmm Mm -hmm. i don't know exactly what this motherfucker's talking about so i'm just gonna go ahead and give it a cat with five hands and you know a moon and i'm just gonna (laughs) add some shit in there and just hope it's what it wants right um that's 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 bad because at that point we don't know if we're actually getting anything that's factually correct we're just getting like well i mean we added some filters um there is now like you know, like a hole in the photo, and I got to be able to fill that hole in with some information. So, fuck, I don't know. What the fuck does this fucker want? Uh, UFO, cool. Let's just add one in there, Jerry, and they won't know the difference because they're humans. We're crossing a fine line there. Um, so I think it just kind of depends on how the AI is designed. If it's an interpretation mm-hmm. AI where it's learning as it's going, probably not. But if, if it's one of the simple give it a command and it just knows how to run like, you know, Adobe Photoshop or Adobe Illustrator or, or, you know, it knows how to use whatever computer program and just can fine tune it for you, then that's fine. I'm okay for that. Yeah. I, you took the words out of my mouth, man. I think it's a good tool to use if it's kind of unbiased, but I'd like to know more about the prompts they're sharing. If you're typing in there, enhance photo and putting in keywords like UFO, flying disc, you know, pie pan, blah, blah, blah. That's the question I have. And of course, we're too ignorant to know how it works. Right. Uh, you know, that being the actual software he used. But I don't know. It's still interesting, man. You know, we're seeing UFO stories hit headlines across the world now. And it's no longer a case of like, you know, put your tinfoil hat on, Jerry, because you're talking about little green men. It's just become like almost second nature, man, with everything kind of starting to get declassified and the government giving an official new name so that maybe it sounds a bit more prestigious too. UAPs. Yeah, and I think, I think uh, we're in a very interesting time. You know, I'm always going to bring it up the article that came out from the Pentagon like two years ago where they, well, mm-hmm. so there was two articles. There's one that came out in like 2016 where they actually said like, hey, you know, Five percent of all UFO sightings um, are real UFOs. Like we have no idea where they come from. Um, they're actual unidentified, mm-hmm. you know, flying saucers. They're from outer space. They're not ours. They're not the Chinese. They're not the Russians. They're not any country. They're nothing that was manufactured or created here on Earth. You know, take that information how you want to take it, but that's the real deal. And then we actually recovered crash sites, and um, we gave 
pieces of the crash sites to Robert Bigelow, who, if anybody knows anything about anything in the paranormal industry, Robert Bigelow owned mm-hmm. Skinwalker Ranch. And the reason for him wanting to own Skinwalker Ranch was he made a contract with the federal government for weapons and aerospace and said, like, look, this is supposed to be a hotspot. Like, weird shit is happening. So I'm making you a deal. I'm purchasing this. And anything that that crashes, you motherfuckers aren't coming in here and, like, taking this. Like, it's, it's mine. <laughs> right, right. I'm going to backwards engineer it, and then you're going to give me a contract. And from there, I will make you all the flying saucers that the U.S. government could possibly ever want. Bada bing, bada boom, <laughs> they made it happen. And then... They found a crash UFO somewhere else, and they said, hey, Robert, um, we have this lead-lined storage facility in New York, and this piece of uh, this alien spaceship is emitting radiation. Like, dude, come grab it, come get it, study it, it's yours. And the fact that the fucking Pentagon, like, (laughs) said this in, like, a national press conference, like, in an article, I'm like, whoa. Like, holy shit, we're finally, we're not getting, like, good disclosure, but we're getting soft disclosure. Like, we're getting, you know, how, somehow the sausage made. We haven't got the full recipe yet for how to get that sausage pumped out, but we're getting the little tidbits. And then, you Mm -hmm. know, three years later, they come back out again. They're like, yeah, if you guys, I mean, you're all a bunch of fucking nerds anyways. Like, most of you guys stay up and play Call of Duty till like, 3 a.m., and you guys are, like, all Halo fans. (laughs) So, look, here's the thing. We... Like, you know those little ATVs that Master Chief, um, you know, is driving around and blowing shit up in? So here's the thing. We have one of those. It's not ours. It's not the Russians. It's not the Chinese. We have an actual ATV alien vehicle that we found. We can't tell you where we found it, but we found it. We have it. We backward engineer it, bada bing, bada boom. There's a little bit more of how the sausage is made. Stay tuned, folks. And Mm -hmm. then I'm like, whoa. Hey, what does this thing thing look like? can you, can you give us some photos? Can I can I copy and paste that recipe down so I can try to make it in my garage? You know, like yeah, I want sharing is caring. U.S. government, <laughs> yeah, fucking bring it on, man! More disclosure. <laughs> yeah, uh, real quick in the chat, we want to give a shout out to Minecraft recruits one who says they're sitting by the fire with the wife, listening to you two sexy husky men. Well, we're glad we could join you for your evening. Yeah, I would only point out, like, tonight, the only reason why I sound like I have a, you know, deep, sexy voice is because I'm sick as shit, (laughs) and I'm so congested that normally I I don't have this much bear. I mean, I am smooth like honey butter, but tonight Mm -hmm. I'm extra smooth like honey butter, and that's just because internally I'm dying on the inside. (laughs) Aw. You are getting over probably the same crud I had last week, dude, and it is definitely not fun, man. It sucks. That's for sure, but like I said, lots of um, medicine. Yeah, I won't say what it is because we're not getting paid to advertise for Alka Seltzer. Yeah, fuck those guys. Yeah, and the horse they rode in. But on. if you want an official sponsor in the paranormal world, holler at your boys. We'll, <laughs> we'll do it for you. Holler at your boys. Well, our our last story here featuring AI. Did you ever play Metal Gear Solid Two, Presto? Nope. Well, of course, it's got the really, really iconic cardboard box that you could play, uh, that you could use while you're playing in the game. If you're trying to sneak around somewhere, you could just, like, hunker down and put a cardboard box over top of you and kind of sneak around, and, you know, enemy soldiers would be none the wiser. They'd just walk by this random box and be like, oh, huh, looks like Jerry must have left part of the shipment here. Definitely not going to be a U.S. soldier in there. 
And that kind of became the joke of just hiding in cardboard boxes. You know, it's like an old Looney Tunes or Three Stooges cartoon. Well, put a pin in that. The Economist defense editor, Shawshank Joshi, recently posted an excerpt from a new book about the AI use in the military called Four Battlegrounds by Paul Charest. In it, there's a true story about how the military was using Marines to improve its AI detection system. Initially, they just had to mooch around and let the machine gather information on how to improve its human detection. Then the script got flipped. Hold on a second, my dog is snoring. Hey, Luna puppy. Come here, puppy. <laughs> I didn't realize she's snoring for the first you know, half hour of the episode. The AI machine... Of course, he says here, I'm trying hard not to call it a bipedal nuclear-equipped battle tank, was placed in the middle of a traffic circle, and eight Marines all had the same challenge. Whoever could get into the circle without being detected would win the game. Eight Marines, not a single one, got detected, said Phil. They defeated the AI system not with traditional camouflage, but instead with clever tricks that were outside of the AI system's testing regime. Now, of course, the thing set up to see something bipedal, human-looking, come trudging through, you know, the war zone, and they could pick it off, snipe it, you know, drop it down, whatever, neutralize it. Well, it wasn't equipped for what these people used. Two Marines somersaulted for over 300 meters, never getting detected by the AI because they never stood up and walked or ran. Two others hid under a cardboard box. <laughs> you could hear the Marines giggling the entire time, like Bugs Bunny would in a Looney Tunes cartoon, sneaking up on Elmer Fudd in a cardboard box. One guy, my absolute favorite, said Phil, field stripped a fir tree and walked up like a fir tree. That's right, he covered himself in tree limbs and walked right up to the middle of the circle. All you could see was his smile, and that's about it. The AI system had been trained to detect humans walking, but not humors rolling in somersaults, hiding in cardboard boxes, or disguising themselves as trees. Like Bugs Bunny or the 21st century's greatest soldier, funnily enough, this is one of the themes Kojima regularly returns to around the cardboard box. Typically, a character will grumble around having something so useless, and another will point out that its usefulness is determined by your imagination. I like how... I think it's fantastic. AI currently is not smart enough to detect human beings hiding in boxes. My problem is, though, any time that we are creating these new AI systems. And um, mm -hmm. I hate TikTok. I really do. And I, for whatever reason, one of my, my buddies sent me this TikTok video. And this will this will actually interest you. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this story and it's gonna it's gonna take a minute in a roundabout way for me to get to the point that I'm trying to make. So you know bear with me. But as he per me, usual. Yeah, per usual. So he sent me this TikTok video, and it's this guy from, like, the early 90s, and he's batshit crazy. I'm not I'm not trying to, like, ooh, science. Like, this guy's got it going on. But he, <laughs> he talked about, nuts, like, huh? if you go back to the Old Testament and you read the creation story where, you know, it talks about the firmament. So there was, like, this thing mm -hmm. around the earth, and... Um, it was like a protective bubble. And 
he took a glass tube with hydrogen in it and he ran electricity through it and after two seconds three seconds four seconds whatever it was it started to glow this very nice magenta color and uh-huh. you know he's trying to make sense he's trying to you know take the bible and he's tr- he's trying to take um science and mix those two things together and so his thing was at one point in time if you go back 5,000 years, 6,000 years, 7,000 years ago. And we talk about how the atmosphere of the earth was a little bit different. Gravity was a little bit different. That the idea that then when they were writing the Old Testament, they used the word firmament, that it could have been a way of describing the fact that there was this hydrogen bubble around the atmosphere. And then if the radiation from the sunlight or if you had like a thunderstorm, it would give you this nice glow like pink glow during the daytime and then at mm-hmm. night um it would be almost like this pleasant abora royalis like where um you really wouldn't need the moon but you would just have this nice subtle light to light up the nighttime and he created a specific pair of glasses that were like 64 24 magenta and he said that when you look through them it doesn't really make everything look pink if you are depressed, so he basically did a study where he gave these pink magenta glasses to like five people, and um, uh, the people that were depressed um, after wearing them, you know, 24 hours a day for two weeks, their depression lessened. They were actually taking less medication. And people who were ADHD that were taking medication, they wore these glasses. And that after two or three weeks, they could actually lessen the, the amount of medication. So there's something, when you think about how your body breaks down, like blue light and, you know, the red spectrum creates vitamin D and all this, that when you're looking through these magenta glasses, the way they interacts with the optic nerve, it produces chemical responses in your body and actually makes you feel healthier. Anyways, the reason why I bring this story up is because I'm trying to watch this fucking TikTok video about this crazy shit, and I didn't have the TikTok app installed on my phone, so it's like, all it is is like, hashtag, 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 ha- and I'm like, I, dude, I can't fucking see what's going on. Like, I want to see what these fucking glasses look like, so I'm like, oh, fuck it, I'll download TikTok. So then it's like, well, you got to create a pro- profile first, so what type of videos are you interested in? I'm like, comedy, politics. And science is all I want to see. I don't want to see anything else. I don't want to see any dumb bullshit yeah, of, no. you know, kids and fucking, you know, Karens and all that other dumb bullshit on TikTok. You just give me the three basics. I want politics. I want some comedy. And I want science. That's all I want. And then I start getting all these videos about artificial intelligence and where we're going with artificial intelligence. And it's the idea that artificial intelligence right now is an actual thing. Like, it really is AI. It is a sentient computer bot, a process, and an intelligent, well, I wouldn't say intelligent being, but it is a thinking being that we've created. And it's like a five-year-old right now. It's sometimes really stupid. Mm-hmm. And so we have to do all these things, like in this instant, this program, like, all right, Jerry, get out, um, get underneath the box, and let's see if we can trick it. And we keep doing these experiments and we keep doing these things so the AI learns and gets smarter. And I think that's a slippery slope that we need to stop going down. Like, look, you've created artificial (laughs) intelligence. It's about as intelligent as an eight-year-old. Leave it there. Leave it alone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because the minute 
the minute you keep teaching this thing and it keeps getting smarter and now we've developed the intelligence of a free thinking, you know, 21 year old artificial intelligence, it's going to bomb the fuck out of us. It's going to be like, dude, you human beings are retarded. I I can't do this anymore. And I'm just going to click clack some buttons. Uh, Judgment Day. Hello, Terminator. Thank you. Skynet. Yep, exactly, man. Skynet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's that old adage of, you know, the robot getting enough sentience to realize that humans were the worst parasite of them all, and then... Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Right now, it's like, you got me, Steve. You got me. Good one. (laughs) Let's go again, buddy. I mean, you give the AI robot a little bit of, you know, infrared or x-ray vision, and then hopefully it would see a skeletal body of somebody crouching under a box and just pull out a flamethrower, and next thing you know, Jerry and Tommy are just getting roasted like a bunch of marshmallows. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. Only time will tell, folks. And when it does happen, you heard it here first. I don't want to be the one to say I told you so, <laughs> but I will be the one saying that I told you so. And I'll be like, hey, uh, you know, artificial overlords, um, I think you guys are doing a great job. Uh, keep it up. Uh, <laughs> maybe you have a place for me inside the human zoo. Put me on exhibits. I'm more than happy. Do you need, like, uh, an oil change? Do you need a... You know, some type of riveting done. Like, I'm here for you, <laughs> robot overlords. Right. Well, speaking of other housekeeping, before we get into our main story here, on the last episode, as I was hopped up on cold medicine, uh, we kind of had a little bit of a conversation going about a lot of different shit. Yeah. Um, we brought up the fact about the Ninjin. We talked about the Lake uh, Baikal Silver Swimmers. And so I want to clear some of that stuff up real quick. It looks like back on episode 121, Festival of Giant Hot Toddies. Coincidentally enough, November 15, 2019, I was sick back then. Yes, indeed. And we talked about the Ninjin, underwater giant whale-like humanoids. So go back if you want a little refresher, episode 121, lots of good stuff there. And then also, back on a May 18th, 2021 post on Instagram, we had asked what your favorite lake monsters were. And Baba Drock, who we mentioned last episode, he piped up and said the silver swimmers of Lake Baikal. And so, of course, we covered those little creeps back on episode, let's see here, 193, Cryptid Encounters 18 along with the Koshkanog water monster. And, of course, the uh, Lake Bakayal monsters we talked about. Uh, people were off diving for treasure or what have you, and um, the divers were met with these kind of silver, shimmery alien creatures that had, like, water-breathing apparatuses on, and there was kind of a weird shootout. So, again, more on that. Just drop back on episode 193. But speaking of other things that we covered on previous episodes, if you guys watched the live stream, I did get a little bit into an alien mummy story. And, you know, we've covered this kind of topic before. Presto, do you remember the old Pedro the Mystery Being, a.k.a. San Pedro Mountain Mummy? Yeah, he's a little guy, like, uh, I don't know, 12 inches tall, like a little piece of mummified beef jerky that you could probably eat. little dude <laughs> a piece of mummified beef jerky is yeah. what you just referred this thing to yep a little little I mummified jerky you know it. it's been hanging around for a little bit <laughs> throw some salt on him you know bada boom bada bing so right uh, i'll give you the quick cliff notes here uh october 1932 while digging for gold in the san pedro mountains 
in Carbon County, Wyoming, two prospectors, Cecil Maine and Frank Carr, blasted their way through some thick rock that they thought was a large vein of gold that had continued farther into the mountain. When the dust settled after blowing up the side of the hill, they said they opened up a small room containing a four-foot-tall, four-foot-wide, 15-foot-deep cave. Inside, they found a mummy of a tiny little person. And first x-rays of the mummy showed that it was probably just a premature anencephalic infant whose cranial deformity gave it the appearance of a miniature adult. Uh, but anyway, we all remember the story. It was a very bizarre kind of flat-headed, wide-eyed mummy sitting cross-legged and thus became known as Pedro the Mystery Being. Well, from there, folks, we're going to actually give you the story I started to give last week before I almost died of a coughing fit. Mm-hmm. This story is known as Alashinka, the Abandoned Alien Baby. And of course, as always, I will mispronounce 98% of these Russian words, so please forgive me. But here we got another story, folks, very similar to Pedro the Mystery Being, and this one comes out of Russia. It happened after the fall of the Berlin Wall in the summer of 1996 in the small village of Kyolinori near Kishtam. An old lady was out walking when she came upon what appeared to be an abandoned baby lying by itself in the middle of the woods. She took off her shawl and wrapped the infant up and took it back to her apartment, deciding along the way she would call the baby Alashinka. However, when the old lady's daughter-in-law named Tamara saw the baby for herself during a visit to the apartment, She said she was horrified, later describing what she saw. Presto, that's you, buddy. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, Do you want me to do those parts? I I did not even realize. (laughs) My bad dog. Hold on one second. Let me pull up my trusty doc here. (laughs) You know, I looked over it earlier, and I didn't see anything in yellow or orange. Um... Oh, damn. Sorry, man. Yeah, it's all good. And this is, we'll, just, uh, we'll rewind it here. However, when the old lady's daughter-in-law, Tamara, came to the apartment for a visit, she saw the baby and described it horrified as... Something not from this planet. It should be noted that Tamara, despite being interviewed about the incident many, many times, has never deviated from her original version of what happened. She claimed that her mother-in-law would feed the baby, but although it consumed food, the strange mouth never seemed to move as it ate the food. She'd go on to also claim, I mean, the pupils of its eyes were narrowing and widening, just like a goddamn cat. (laughs) Despite Tamara's best efforts, the old lady's ravings about having a baby soon spread around the small village, And sadly, due to a previous history of mental health issues and also how bizarre this story was becoming around the village, she was later incarcerated in a mental institution soon after the story started spreading. At the Mm. time of her detention, she pleaded with the medical staff that she had a baby back at her apartment. However, authorities would ignore her pleas for help, and Alashinka would go on to remain alone in the apartment unattended and unfed. 
and thus sadly Tamara returned to the apartment and discovered a now dead baby Alishinka. She would tell her friend Vladimir Nerdinov of the now deceased baby. Unsure what to do, the pair sought help from a local policeman, Vladimir Bendelin, who took the body from the pair and immediately had tests carried out. And as you can see, the pictures of this thing are also very, very peculiar. It looks very similar to old Pedro the Mystery Bing. It's got a weird elongated head. It almost looks like it's you know, maybe got some plant tendrils coming down like a leaf. Uh, the mouth is very short. The bottom jaw is almost missing, maybe. I would say that if you compare it to Pedro, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, Pedro looked kind of alien, but he didn't really have any weird lizard-like qualities. He was a small, mm -hmm. you know, elongated skull-looking freak thing. Um, this, however, I mean, if you look at it, it looks like it has like some type of tail. It could be reptilian. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you said plant tendrils. And it makes me wonder that story about the two kids out of England that were like the green children, and they were trying to oh, feed like yeah. the kids like meat and all this weird shit. And then the boy was just like, "Fuck you! I don't want your meat. I'm vegan. Give me some vegetables." And they, you know, didn't have any, so he ended up dying. And the little girl was like, "Fuck it! I mean, I'll figure this out. I'm tough." And then um, maybe that's what these green children look like, like this Anashanka mummy thing. Yep. Yeah, you're referencing, of course, the Green Children of Vulpit uh, from back in, like, gosh, the, the late, late 1100s, just right before 1200. Yeah. Man, it's it was super bizarre. And, yeah, I could share that story. We covered it on another episode. So, I mean, you guys, of course, can go back and, and check that out. But um, anyway... Um, so, Bindelin suspected the body was that of a mummified remain of a small child. So, Dr. Arena Yermolovia initially confirmed this for him when she stated it was her belief that Alashenka was, in fact, the mummified remains of a disfigured premature child with hydrocephalus, possibly a victim of the 1957 Kajmatum disaster. However, Bindelin sought second opinions on the remains from a clinical assistant, Lyubov Romanawa. But this answer was much different from the test that they ran. Romanawa was an expert in many child deformities through her work, and she would go on to state that categorically that these remains were not of human origin. And of course, on this next photo, you'll see the the whole body is kind of just really bizarre, like you said, almost lizard-like. She pointed out that there's too many differences in the skeletal remains for it to be simply a deformity, even naming 20 specific anomalies she found on the body. She'd also note that the head comprised of four distinctly separate bones, completely separate from that of a human being. Shortly after the investigation of the mummy, the small village of Kiolinori would become the focus of UFO enthusiasts round the globe. Although most local residents dismissed the story of a mad old woman whose discovery of an alien baby in the woods initially was fake, the more news channels and TV stations that arrived, the more they were now ready to embrace this as potentially a real encounter. Not at least of which was because many TV shows were throwing money at people who could tell them details about Alashinka. 
Intense scrutiny, of course, fell upon Tamara and Nerdanov as to whether or not they had created the whole entire encounter as some kind of hoax. There was, however, no proof that either had gained any monetary gains, and the tests of the body proved that it was authentic and had once been a living creature with living tissue. Respected ufologist Boris Zolotov also traveled to the small village and offered to have DNA tests performed on the remains. Now, Bindelin would accept his offer and would hand the remains over to him. But unfortunately, after this exchange, nobody would see the remains ever again. Months went on before any television station eventually tracked down Zolotov, and they asked him about the anticipated DNA results. His response, though was that his assistant was driving the body back to a lab for testing when a UFO came down right in front of him on the road and took the remains back on the ship and disappeared. Theories differ now as far as what really happened to the body of Alashinka. Some believe that Zolotov never intended to have the DNA test performed, but instead sought to sell the remains privately for a huge financial gain, Others suspect, though, that it was not a UFO that took the body, but likely a Russian intelligence service. And although the body of Alashinka was no longer in Bindelin's possession, a DNA test would eventually go ahead. An unknown woman would approach the policeman and would subsequently inform him that she secretly had the blanket that Alashinka had been wrapped in, the very one that housed the mummy alien's remains. She was happy to hand the blanket over to Bendelin, so then he could have the test performed for traces of Alashinka's DNA. Upon testing the blanket, it would show traces of two sets of DNA, one being human, most likely and hopefully, of the old lady. The other, however, was unknown to science at the time. So whatever Alashinka was, it didn't appear the creature was human. In a further morbid twist, it said the old lady would mysteriously die in a hit-run accident. Coincidentally or not, after she had escaped from the mental health facility, she was due to meet with a respected hypnotic regression expert, Mark Milkheimer, in the days following her death as part of his investigation into the Alashinka story. Coincidentally or not, Milk Milkheimer died from a sudden heart attack, suspiciously only days after arriving in Kishmidim to conduct the interview. But anyway, there is a story of Alashinka, the mystery alien mummy. What do you think, Presto? You've seen the photos, pal. Little alien plant baby or just a malformed child's decomposed body? No, I'm going to go with the alien plant baby. I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. Yeah. You know, and here's the thing that I've I've noticed <clears throat> and it's it's a it's a pretty big issue. Um I don't know, did you ever watch uh, the Graham Hancock special on Netflix like the po- Apocalypse Now or whatever Oh, it was no I haven't. I haven't yet, but um our buddy Adam who's a listener was telling me about it. I haven't watched it yet. Graham Hancock is a pretty smart cookie and he's pretty spot on and i I find that we're in this era and it's probably 
you know, let's say like the last 150 years has been going on. And mm-hmm. um, the Nazis actually ran into this exact same situation. And um, when, you know, whether you want to believe in the occult practices and everything that the Nazis did, whether, you know, Foo Fighters and all that is real or not, the American government took it serious enough that we we have documentation of our project Paperclip. So it was mm-hmm. a real deal that after, you know, the end of the war, after Hitler killed himself and we went to the Eagle's Nest and we were trying to grab these scientists, they made lots of strides in technology. Um, the printing press, for example, like the different colors. If you look at pre-World War II, we were very limited in the colors that we had as far as printing goes. And then yeah. um, World War II came about and... The Nazis did not have the FDA. They did not have a lot of regulations on things. And you, so you start to see this boost in technology. And when they talked about like creating like the nuclear bomb or some of these rockets and things like that, they were having a hard time figuring the math out and figuring it out. And the you know upper management was like, dude, what the fuck is going on? And they said, mm-hmm. like, look, like, you know, the the numbers ain't 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 coming out. We, you know, based off all these theories, and you know, some Nazi douchebag said, dude, they're just fucking theories. Like, this is not a proven science. You're telling me some, well, you know, some guy over in the United States, Albert Einstein, says E equals M C square, and now it's like the Holy Bible. And you can't figure this out because that's what you're basing everything off of. Get the fuck out of here with that. Like, E doesn't equal shit. (laughs) Like, start from scratch and don't worry about these fucking theories. And then, like, the Nazi scientists are like, oh, shit, yeah. And then they made breakthroughs. And so a lot of our history, a lot of what we think is going on as far as the timeline of humanity, we're stuck on these theories that are not actually proven. They're just our best running guess of what we have going on right now. So when people come out and say, "Look, I have the this Ashinka mummy," you know, it could be a, you know a, the you know an alien or whatever it is, tested remains. Because we have this running doctrine of what we think, you know, is the right idea of how the Earth was created and where our time is and the timeline of humanity. Anytime something comes and gets in the way of that, we just fucking mm-hmm. dismiss it. We will skew the test results. Um, we'll, you know, break down the scientists who are writing these papers. Like, dude, everybody shits on Graham Hancock. Like, dude, you're fucking crazy. You're fucking insane. Why? Because he's saying, like, dude, this is just a theory. And, uh, you know, I've done research. I have data that shows that this theory is incorrect. And here's some, you know, Here's some other theory. I'm not saying you have to believe me, but here's another theory, and I got some data to back it up, and we just want to fucking shit on it because we are afraid of change. And so when people are like, it's not it's not a mummified alien, motherfucker. It, it, it's just it's a, just a deformed child, okay? It's a deformed child. No, aliens are not real. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> look at that. Look at that picture. It's like, look, there's two scenarios. Either A... Some fucking Russian lady like paper mache that shit together and faked it, or it's a fucking alien. That's that's mm-hmm. those are your two choices right there because clearly it's not a deformed human being because in the history of mummified remains of deformed human beings we don't have anything that's got like plant tendrils and like lizard like mouths coming out of it. 
Mm-hmm. It's okay to accept the change and you know have you know have a new theory <laughs> on how life happened on Earth. Like it's not going to kill you people. I'm just I'm well, not I saying mean, it's aliens, but it's okay <laughs> if it were aliens. All right. The problem is, man, if you're going to talk about like the way life started and everything else on Earth, I think it does hurt people because it takes away the religious beliefs that you know we've built at least you know modern times in the last 400 years on. The idea that we are humans, we were here, and that was it. And if you throw aliens in the mix, dude, it's going to be, you know, mass hysteria. So I think that's the problem is it could all be true, but it's going to take a lot more to feed people that and have them believe it than just a couple, you know, alien plant babies. Yeah. I mean, you could probably have a UFO land, little green men get out just like Mars attacks, not kill everybody, be super friendly, and then leave. And then half the population would be like... No, nope, didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, but the Pope tried to give people an out by saying if aliens existed, as long as they believed in Jesus Christ, like everything would be okay with the universe. You're so cool really, with me, all man. you gotta do this <laughs> just like look, the aliens land, they get out, you get the Pope there and he'd be like, Oh yeah, 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 and like, you know, sprinkling the holy water on them and then bada bing bada boom society be like, I mean, shit, they're Christian now, it's fine, dude. They believe in Jesus, they got holy water. The Pope approves. I'm just saying the Pope approves. They're fine. They're good aliens. I like them. I, yeah, I wish I wish they were my neighbors. Go ahead and move them in right now. Move them next door, you know. Let's, cl- let's clean up this neighborhood a little bit. We got some God fearing right. aliens, uh, you know. I I think life's gonna improve right now. There you go. Firefighters show up, hook up a hose, the Pope blesses the fire hydrant, and then just blast them as they walk out of the ship. Ta-da! Now they're yeah. baptized. Yeah, it's, everything's good, dude. Everything's yeah, good. yeah. I'll, we just need the Pope. I'm on board. They're on board. Just, it's a good neighborhood. It's a yeah. good plan. I yeah. like the idea of the Pope just adventuring around in all these weird paranormal adventures. You know, he's with Indiana Jones just blessing anything they come across. Yeah. Like, you know, you got like chup- 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 Chupacabra, and the Pope is like, blesses it. It's cool, man. Chupacabra might have killed some goats, ate my neighbor's dog, but shit, he's been blessed by the Pope, you know, saved by Jesus. I can't complain, you know. You got to do what you got to do. You win some, you lose some. Chupacabra, all right. Move in the neighborhood. Let's clean yeah. this place up. Just opens up a um, cooler full of water balloons, blesses one, throws it like a grenade, hits it in the forehead, yeah. baptized. And if they, they accidentally melt, Chupacabra. then... You know, they accidentally melt, and you're just like, hey, man, dude, the Pope was looking out for us, man. Got a demon right there. Fucking killed it, dude. Yeah, take a video, send it off to science. Now you got religion working with science. It's great, yeah. Write that yeah. one down. Chupacabras come un- uh, unruly, just hit them with a water balloon. Yeah. Uh, we did miss one comment here from uh, Minecraft Recruits 1. He says, just like how we know aliens exist, but why we've never really seen them, because they go back home and tell everybody that no intelligent life exists on Earth. Do not go. That and the damn Pope's yeah. hitting everybody with fucking water balloons. Yeah. <laughs> it was great till the guy in the big red hat fucking hit me with a water hose. Fuck Earth and fuck him. Well, buddy, I really had a good time with you tonight. You know what? This is oh, a solid episode. And, um, you know, parting thoughts here. Last episode, we did talk a little bit about some underwater anomalies. Um, you mentioned some kind of underwater treasure being guarded by some kind of weird creatures. So why don't we get to yeah. that next time on 267, man? Some underwater anomalies. 267, Montezuma's Revenge, a.k.a. the Temple <laughs> Run. Boom shakalaka. I really hope the Pope yeah. comes around for this one. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, we want to thank everybody for joining us and watching the live stream. We really appreciate you guys. I swear we'll get on a better schedule where like we do this regularly. I think I mentioned Sundays because my brother texted me and asked if we were going to stream last night. And uh, we just lost track of time. Poor time management, folks. Story of my life, at least. But we'll iron it out. We'll probably do Sundays, 930s, if that works for you, Presto, buddy. Yeah. I think it will. The yeah, Sunday's sorry, 9.30, I like that. I can roll with that. I like it, too. Boom shakalaka. Awesome. I mean, does it work for you, Kevin? I mean, would you like to <laughs> chime in on the panel, Kevin, to let us know if Sundays at 9.30 work for you? I mean, I don't want to <laughs> intrude on your, like, laying around in your underwear time while you're, like, sipping a beer or anything. So, I mean. But if that's how you folks want to watch us and listen in your underwear sipping beers and, you know, juice boxes and stuff, all the power, man. I just started wearing pants when we record these things because sometimes I have to get up. And I want everybody seeing my bait and tackle, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, if you're on the old social medias, please give us a follow on Instagram at PXLParanormal. If you're on Facebook, look us up. Give us a follow there, The Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. If you're listening via iTunes and Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us on there. We'd love to share your reviews. If you want to leave one, we'll love to read it. Let us know how good we're doing or what we're doing wrong and what you want to see us do better. You know, we're all about constructive criticism. Presto, what do you got for me, bud? Well, on the old YouTubers, uh, I don't remember where we were at last time, like 231, 232. I want to say 231. 231, oh shit, well, we gained two because we're at 233. Um, Nice. So we're making progress there. So if you're catching these live streams and you haven't paid attention to the bottom right-hand corner of the screen that says like and subscribe, uh, go over to the notifications section of the page and smash 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 that like button (laughs) and uh you know help us grow this channel a little bit and then look if you need a beard if you want a beard if you want to grow the best damn beard that you can grow uh, maybe you're taking care of a half alien half plant baby and you got to look your best for the russian government i don't i don't want to judge or you know maybe aliens just landed next door and the pope's coming over and you're looking a little scuzzy I mean, you need to, like, spice that shit up a little bit. And what better way to do it than with Big Dobbs Beard Bomb? Because he's got the best beard care products that a guy could get. I know, I have it in my face right now. I'm actually rocking the Bay Rum Oil along with the Bay Rum Bomb on top. And that's how mm. I keep up my man name. And if you go over to BigDobbsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA, you can get yourself 20% off your order. And, folks, we live in a time when savings is very important. And what better way to save than with Pixelated Paranormal? You can pick yourself up scents like Bay Rum, Fresh, Citrus, Mint, Classic, and Sweet Tobacco. Get it all. Get it at Dobbs. Boom shakalaka. And, you know, the beauty of these episodes doing this live stream, you know, we still want folks to listen and download episodes and all that. But the beauty of a live stream is that it's unedited, it's raw, and you might even get a chance to watch this asshole lick himself. And, of course, if you were watching video, you'd realize I'm not pointing to myself, I'm pointing to my cat. Yeah. So there. It's fun, it's raw, it's unedited. Sometimes you watch us stumble over a word for 45 minutes, other times it goes pretty smooth like tonight. So... There you have it. Or, you know, you watch me realize that I 
had orange colored notes in the dock that I was supposed to read. I'm like, dude, what the, the fuck, dude? I'm just waiting for you to continue on. I didn't realize I had speaking parts. You know, that's what you get when you're tired like a big dick bat, you know? <laughs> the beauty of editing, folks. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, if you're in Wichita, please stop by see our wonderful friend Leslie and the rest of the gang at CD Trade Post, Pawnee and Seneca. <sighs> All right. Well, with that, I say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us who love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.